Are you guys ready to receive a much needed word today? As I read this passage, Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. The Word of God says, When Jesus had called the twelve together, He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And He sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And He told them, Take nothing for the journey, No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunnels. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave your town. That's a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel, healing the people everywhere. I want to jump over to verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. Let's read verse 10 one more time. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they have done. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for the lives that you're going to change this morning. Father, I just ask that you bless this time. Use this time to speak to our hearts. Help us not only to hear, to apply this word to our personal lives. We thank you for another Sunday and we can come together as a church family. Father, I pray that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. I want to start off this message a little different. I want you to imagine with me right now that you and I are sitting down for coffee. It's not Starbucks, because that's disgusting, but we're, we're sitting down at a coffee shop, and we're there because you called me and said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. And as you and I are sitting down together having coffee, there's a look of anxiety in your face. There's a, a feeling of worry, maybe some frustration. And as you begin to open up, as I asked you, what's what's going on? you would reply and say, well, I was hoping you would be able to tell me that. I don't know what's going on. Pastor, I don't know what God's doing in my life. I don't know what I'm called to do. And and I feel in my heart, I have these dreams, I, I have these desires, and I don't know if they've been placed there by God or not. And, and Pastor, to be honest with you, if, if those ideas are, are not from God, then maybe those ideas are my own, and I don't want to miss the call of God in my life. What, what am I going to do? And it feels like life is passing me by, Pastor, and I'm getting older, and I just don't know what God wants me to do. And I don't know 
what my calling is. And I was hoping you would be able to tell me. And I want you now to take this message you're about to receive as what I would tell you if you and I were one-on-one -on -one having coffee and you had no idea what God's calling for your life is. Would you let me speak to you honestly today? Because I want to preach to you this morning on just that topic. What am I called to do? And I promise you, church, if you listen today, you're going to leave this service knowing exactly what God's call for your life is. I promise you. I can say it with confidence. You're going to know, and you'll never, ever, ever again ask yourself this question, Lord, what am I called to do? I promise you, you will be set free from that anxiety. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, because I start prayer with counseling, so, Father, in the name of Jesus, help me to speak to all of us here. In Jesus' name, amen. You don't have to imagine that because many people that I've encountered in my 13 years of being a pastor have sat with me and asked me, I don't know what God wants for my life. I don't know what God's doing. I don't know what my calling is or other people have come up to me with confidence and say, Pastor, I know exactly what my calling is. I know I'm called to do X, Y, and Z. And other, and I remember a young kid comes up to me and he says, Pastor, I'm called to be just like you. And I said, you don't want to be me. No, no, I mean, I'm called to be a pastor. And I said, boy, you better make sure that's a calling from God because if not, you're going to hate your life. See, all of us are wondering, what's our calling? And what am I called to do? And, and what if I miss my calling? What if I'm not where I'm supposed to be? And there's all this anxiety about this. When I read John, I mean Luke chapter 9, I was thinking that Jesus, he calls the 12 together. And he sends them out to preach. And he says, guys, the time has come. You're going to get together and you're going to go out and preach. And the Bible says that Jesus sent them on this journey. And the journey would not be long. The journey was temporary. The journey was just around Jerusalem so that they would preach the gospel and they would preach the kingdom of God. But here's what really stood out to me in verse 10. Let's read verse 10 together. The Bible says when the apostles returned. Everyone say that with me. When they returned, when they returned, they reported to Jesus all that they did. And when I read this passage, it reminded me exactly of what our lives looks like. Let me just start off by saying that the life we're living in right now is a journey. And the journey is short. The journey is quick. The journey is temporary. You might be thinking to yourself that maybe you're in your 20s and you're saying, well, I have my whole life ahead of me. I have all these years. I'm going to grow up to be this. I'm going to grow up to be that. But listen to me. If you're 20 years old, but God calls you back at 30, then you're old. But if you're 60 years old and God calls you back home at 105, then you are young. You see, age is nothing but a number when it comes to life. But here's my point. This journey that you and I are in called life, 
It's temporary. It's short. And all believers alike, when that journey is over, like the apostles' journey ended, they went back to Jesus. They returned to Jesus and told Jesus all that they had done. What a picture of what our lives are going to look like as Christians. When God calls us back, we will return to Jesus. And when we return to Jesus, we will give a report of everything we did for his kingdom. Everything we did for him. Not for salvation, because we know that it's not by works that you're saved, because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. But many Christians are going to return to Jesus. According to Romans 14, 12, let me read this to you. The Bible says, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. If that does not put the fear of God in you, I don't know what on earth will. That this life that you and I are living in will come to an end. We will, as Christians, return to Jesus. And we will give an account of ourselves to Him. See, it reminds me of when I'm playing golf. And there's 18 holes that I'm playing. And there's nothing like the 18th hole because as I'm staring at that 18th hole, I know the game is about to end. And as I hit my final shot into that putt and into that hole, the game is over. And I sit down in my golf cart and I pull out a scorecard and I start counting every hole I played. And some, sometimes I ignore things. I know that doesn't count. I might exaggerate a little. I'm not, I'm, I'm saved, but I'm not perfect. But when I look at this counting card, I'm counting everything that I've done. And it always reminds me when I play golf that one day you and I as believers, we're going to die. Our journey is going to end. And the Bible says we're going to give an account to everything we've done for God. Everything God has given you was for His glory. And God's going to say, what did you do for my kingdom? What did you do for me? What did you do to reach the loss? And we're going to give an account. And this is what's not going to matter. It's not good. God's not going to care when you give an account and tell him how much money you made in your lifetime. That, that matters to us, but it doesn't matter to God. God's not going to care the places you travel to. God's not going to care of what you wore, where you went, who you knew, what you drove, what career did you have, what experiences were amazing, what were your accomplishments, what were your degrees. None of that in the eyes of God are going to matter when you're gone. And you're going to have to give an account and say, Lord, this is what I did for you while on earth. This is how I serve you. And when God begins to reward His followers in heaven, it's going to be based on the account of your life. 
So we have to see what real success looks like in the eyes of God. You see, I want to ask you this honest to God question because you and I are still having coffee. And I would ask you, how much of what you do in your daily life, how much of what you do is for the Lord? Have you limited God to just a Sunday morning for an hour and a half? How much of what you do, because you do a lot, but how much of what you do do you do to give God glory? The answer to that question is everything. Look at Colossians 3.23. For all of you who are giving account now and saying, well, I go to church sometimes, I go to Bible study. No, 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 listen. How much of what you do is for the Lord? The answer is everything. Whatever you want. Whatever you do. Thanks, Anthony. Let's all say it together now. Whatever you do. What a dumb question we ask people when we meet them, right? What do you do? And I say, I do a lot. What do you care? Because we measure success by what we do. I remember doing a funeral once, and a lady asked me, what do you do? And I said, this is it. I'm a pastor. She's like, oh, that's so nice. I would have loved my kids to have done that, but I, I wanted them to be successful. I said, hold my jacket, hold my Bible. But listen, that's the honor. I felt sorry for her. Because you're looking at success. It's serving God. The Bible says whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As for working for the Lord, not for men. Whatever you do, you do a lot. You get up, you eat, you drive, you go to work, you pretend to work, you drive back home, you do a lot of work at home, you do a lot at home, you go to sleep, you wake up, you repeat, you do a lot for people, you do a lot for children, people are expecting you, people are counting on you. But listen, whatever you do, whatever you do, you eat, you drink, you work out, you go to work, you hang out, you go, you go to the beach, whatever you do, the Bible says, do it for the Lord. Can you honor God with what you are doing? Yes, give God praise today. This is the answer. How much of what you do should serve the Lord? Everything. Well, to what extent, Pastor? Okay, 1 Corinthians 10.31, as we're having coffee still. So whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Right about whatever you eat or drink. You know, it's not like you're eating a chocolate chip cookie and I slap it. No, no, you got to give God glory. You can't eat that cookie. No, listen. The reason the Bible says whatever you eat or drink is because eating and drinking is something you and I both do daily without even thinking about it. It's a mundane thing. 
So when the Bible says whatever you do, whatever you eat or drink, God is saying, in an essence, he's saying, whatever you do, even in the most mundane of daily tasks, you do it to give me glory. Let me give you some examples. It's going to hurt a little. Do groceries for the glory of God. The devil is at lives at Walmart on the weekends, on a Saturday, on Okeechobee and Hialeah. That's where it's at. <laughs> and when you go do groceries, you're doing it for the glory of God. You have a godly attitude doing it. God might tell you, buy that groceries for that person. God might tell you, you, don't need, you know you don't need to be buying that. God might tell you. You might have to put the shopping cart back where it belongs. Some of you put it in front of cars like you don't care. But we do it with the attitude of giving God glory. Let's get a little deeper. You drive for the glory of God. When I'm driving for the glory, what does that mean to drive for the glory of God? You're not blasting out filthy music while you're driving. You're not telling the person behind you they're number one with the wrong finger. You're not breaking the law. Well, I know there's no cops here, so I'm going to floor it. Listen, it is the law. You do everything for the glory of God. Everything from your groceries, when you're, when you're driving, when you're working. For the glory of God. So when you're working for the glory of God, you're not there lying. You're not there pretending to work. You're not stealing paper clips. You're not gossiping. You're not slandering your boss. You're showing up on time. You're going above and beyond what you're required because you're giving God glory and you're letting your employers know this is what it looks like to be a Christian. Everything you do gives glory to God. You give glory, glory to God when you're at home. You give glory to God when you're raising your children. You're raising your children. Yes, it's great to train your kids to be successful. I understand that. But you have a responsibility by God to raise your children to glorify God so that when your children are older, they learn what it looks like to love and fear God because they saw it at home with you. You give God glory in the business that you have. You give God glory in the money that you make. You give God glory in everything that you do. Do not limit giving God worship and praise and glory to a Sunday morning for an hour and a half. Every day of your life is an opportunity to give God the glory in everything that you do. The Bible says that Jesus sent them out to preach. See, when we see the word preach in the Bible, we tend to think of what I'm doing right now. But the word preach there in the Greek, it literally means to serve. Do you realize that when you walk out of this church, 
You are called to preach. And you preach by how you serve. You preach by how you live. You preach by how you do things. See, God has called you to give Him glory. That's why we always tend to think, well, I'm just climbing the ladder of success. And if you want to really see what the ladder of success looks like, on that very top of the ladder, it's not a promotion. It's not a mansion. It's not a great, huge bank account. It's not a great, fabulous 401k. None of that in the eyes of God on top of the ladder is success. Success in the eyes of God is what did you do for my kingdom? Everything in your life is tied to the kingdom of God. To be kingdom-minded means everything I do is for God. I'll give you an example of my twin brother. Danny works doing x-rays. And I work in ministry. And if you look me, if you look at me and Danny, yes, I'm the handsome one. I get that, but we're not, we're not talking about that. When we look about me and Danny, yes, I'm the smarter one, but we're not thinking about that. When we look at me and Danny, you might say, Oh, David's working for the Lord. But we both are. Because see, when Danny is at work taking x-rays, he makes sure that he wears a pin that has Jesus on it. And Danny makes sure that he's not gossiping, he's not cursing, he's not lying, he's not cheating, he's not stealing. He's making sure that he's living a life of integrity. So, And when anyone sees that pin, they ask him, and, oh, you're a Christian. And Danny tells them about the Lord. He tells them about our church because God has placed them there for his kingdom. Whatever God has placed you in, that is where the, the pulpit of your life, that is where you preach. For your kingdom. So God says this is what success looks like. That everything you do in your life is for my kingdom. Many people say, well, pastor, I get that. I need to work on that. I want to make sure that everything I do is for the glory of God. But I want to know what my personal cost is. And as I'm looking at you having coffee, I'm saying, Lord, help them to get it. No, I want to know what my calling is. And in the Bible, God has three calls, three callings for your life. You guys ready to learn this? Look at verse 1. Verse 1, the Bible says that Jesus called the 12. When Jesus had called the 12 together. The first thing I want to tell you, before we continue our session, is you are called. God has a call on your life. But when we think about a call, we think about what God wants you to do. 
Does God want me to be a doctor? Does God want me to be a teacher? Am I called to be a mom? Am I called to be a dad? Am I called to be a businessman? Am I called to this, called to that? When we think about the calling of God in our lives, maybe 90% of the time, everyone automatically jumps to what their individual calling is. Because God does have an individual call for your life. But before we get to the individual call that God has for your life, I want to explain to you two other callings that God has for all of us. The first one is a call to salvation. Before you even think about what does God want me to do? Who does God want me to become? You have to make sure and ask yourself, am I going to make it to his kingdom? The first call that God has on your life is a call to salvation. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.26 with me. It says brothers. The reason the Bible says brothers is always talking about Christians. Whenever the word brothers or sisters is mentioned. So he's saying Christians. Think of what you were when you were what? Called. Some of you are saying, Pastor, I don't want to remember those days. But notice what the call of salvation looks like. Think of what you were when you were called. And God gets honest. He says, not many of you were wise. How many of you would say, amen, brother? Amen, pastor. You look back at your life and say, what was I thinking? You weren't saved. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish. Can we give God praise for that? Because God looks at you and he says, you're so foolish that I can use it. You're so foolish, God says, God chose the foolish. Because a lot of us in our pride and arrogance, we think, oh, I chose Jesus. Listen, Jesus chose you. God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. It is because of him that you are even in Christ Jesus who has become for us the wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. The first call that God has for your life is a call to salvation. Before you even think about who or what am I going to do, God wants to make sure you're going into the kingdom. The first call is a call to be saved. That's why when you look at the disciples and you look at Peter, Peter was called to preach the gospel to the entire world. 
But before Peter could even think about preaching the gospel to the entire world, Jesus had to show up in his life when he was down and discouraged and lonely and depressed. And Jesus looks at this man who was uneducated, who was unworthy. He was a nobody. But Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, come and follow me. And Peter just drops everything and he follows the Lord Jesus because the first call and most important call of your life is a call to salvation. And the Lord looks at you. You might think you're the most foolish. You might think about your past, what you were, what you're ashamed of. But when God saw you in your filth, in your shame, he looks at you, not for who you are now. He looks for who you're going to become when you make the decision once and for all to drop everything and follow him. And Peter just drops everything and follows him. And he leaves everything behind to follow Jesus. That's what salvation looks like. You know you're following Jesus when you're able to look back and see the things that you used to live with, the things you used to do, the things you thought were normal, but you have dropped it. Don't tell me you're saved and following Jesus if you look back and everything looks the same. Peter dropped everything to follow him. The first and most important call that God has for your life is a call to salvation. The second and most important call after the call of salvation is called sanctification. Sanctification is a fancy way of saying the process of becoming more like Jesus. Sanctification is the process of growing, learning, and becoming more like Jesus every day. And it is a process that you and I are in every day to live out. That's why you're going to follow Jesus, but you're going to fall. You're going to follow Jesus and make mistakes. You're going to follow Jesus and fall in sin, but you're going to learn from it. You're going to grow from it. And the more you follow Jesus, the more you begin to live like First Thessalonians 4, 7. The call of God, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. God has called you to sanctification. If you want proof of this, when Peter started following Jesus, he didn't get right to preaching. He didn't get right to preaching the world. No, it took a few years. Because while he was saved, he wasn't ready yet. Jesus was working on who he was. Jesus was not concerned of what he would do for the kingdom yet. He was saying, I got to work on the who before I get to the do. You know what our problem is? We get so concerned with the do, we forget the who. God wants you to become more like Jesus. 
He wants to work on who you are. Why? Because if the who doesn't match with the kingdom, what you do is going to ruin everything. So he begins to work on your character. He begins to work on who you are. So for three years, Peter would walk with Jesus. And Peter would make mistakes. Peter had a bad attitude sometimes. Jesus would correct him. Peter would get angry sometimes. And Peter had to learn from Jesus. Don't be like that. Jesus at one point had to look at Peter in the eyes and said, get behind me, Satan. Because Peter was acting a little bit devilish. Peter cut a man's ear off with a knife. Jesus says, Peter, you shouldn't do that. Peter lied. Peter cursed. But Jesus never gave up on him. Because it was sanctification. And by the time you get to the book of Acts, you see Peter, he's not the same Peter he was in the Gospels. Because God has a call on your life. That call, sanctification. See, for God, the who is more important than the do. Who you are matters more to God than what you do. You know, I do all this for God and I'm so important and I have this amazing job and I do this and I do that, but yeah, but if you're a terrible person, with a rotten attitude, living an unholy life. Do you think God cares about what you do? He cares more about who you are. So Jesus will take Peter for three years on this process. And in the three years, his original name was Simon, but Peter changed it. It was changed by Jesus and it was changed to Peter. Because it was a testimony of a change of character. A change of who he was. See, that's what God does for us. He has called you to a life of sanctification. He has called you to a life that honors him. And he's trying to change who you are first. So Jesus would send Peter to preach. But notice that he didn't preach to the whole world yet. He had to preach around Jerusalem and little villages here and there because Peter wasn't ready yet. And maybe you say, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what my call is. Well, follow the second calling. You know your call to sanctification. So work on that. Instead of being caught up and, Lord, what am I going to do? Be caught up and who do you want me to be, God? Because you are called, notice 2 Timothy 1.9, what it says. It says, who has saved us and called us to what? A holy life. God has called you to a holy life. That word holy means to be set apart for Him. To be set apart for God. Look at Ephesians 4.1, what Paul tells the Christians. He says, as a prisoner of the Lord then, he says, I urge you, he says, I beg you to live a life worthy of what? The calling you have received. What calling was Paul talking about? 
He was talking about a call to sanctification, a call to holiness. Live a life worthy of the who God wants you to be. Live a life that is worthy of holiness. Live a life that is worthy. So you might be thinking, well, why doesn't God just do it yet? Because you're not ready. Peter wasn't ready to preach to the world. But he was ready to preach to a few villages. Small ones. Can you imagine if Peter had that attitude and said, no, 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 I meant for bigger things. I meant for the world. I meant to change the world. What do you mean go to this little village? I'm not going to do that. I have a call on my life. And God says, you do, but you're not ready. So I'm doing it in small ways. That's why the Bible says, do not despise the days of small beginnings. Some of you are so arrogant. You can't do the small things because you feel you're called to big things. But God can't do the big things in your life because you're not faithful in the small things. Well, I hate this job. I'm, I'm better than this. Yeah, but maybe God has you there because he's working on the who. I was called to ministry. How do you believe that? One person. That's good. Okay, one person. I knew God had called me to be a pastor. But before that, I was an intern. Unknown. Scrubbing toilets. Washing floors. I got mad at my pastor. I said, I can preach. Give me a shot. I can preach. I know I can preach. I know I can do it. And he said, that's why you're doing this, because you're not ready. And I was scrubbing by myself at the church. And then he said, David, I want you to preach. I was like, yes, finally. He goes to the homeless. Sunday morning. And I said, okay. And I would preach there, and one guy threw an old school iPod at me. Another guy threw a chair at me. Another guy hit me with a loaf of bread. True story. One woman just screamed out. Just got up and started screaming. And I, you don't think, let me, can I be honest? I said, God, I'm better than this. And God said, if you think that, you're going to stay here. And I started preaching to those homeless people like it was 10,000 in front of me. And the pastor took a look at that, and today I still preach to those homeless. I don't forget where I came from. The pastor comes up to me and says, David, I want to give you a promotion. I'm like, Finally. He says, I want you to teach now preach to the inner city youth. If you don't believe in demons, go to the inner city and teach the youth. And there were some crazy kids there from the streets. One of them was called Margarita. And I said, Margarita, come here. She goes, it's pronounced Margarita. And I was like, oh, Lord, help me. But I love those kids. And I would preach to them, and those kids are serving God now. But I would say, God, this is, I, I'm meant for more, God. And then the pastor said, David, I, 
I want you to learn church planning. And I said, church planning? I would never do that. <laughs> I want you to, to work with Pastor Eric, and I want you to learn church planning. And I would learn church planning. I said, why am I going to use this? Years later, years later, I'm helping out a youth pastor at a church here down the street at Horeb. I had no direction with my life. What am I doing? I know I'm called. What am I doing? I was serving popcorn to kids with no direction. Maybe that's how you feel. I had an urge to have coffee. I said, I'm so stressed out, I need coffee. Taking a break, I left. I went to Starbucks. I went to Starbucks. A pastor was there. I said, Pastor, he said, David, is that you? I said, yeah, what's going on? And I go, I don't know. You tell me. I'm lost. I'm hoping. I poured out to him. I don't know what I'm doing. He said, David, have you considered church planning? I said, no, never thought about it. But I'm trained. Three months later, we started forward. God used everything, the small beginnings, to work on the who. Because who I was 13 years ago is not who I am now. God's doing that to you. Work on the who before you think about the do. Let's talk about the do. You're called to salvation. Salvation is the kingdom. You're called to sanctification. Sanctification is who you are. God's working on who you are. But I know you. I said, well, get to the do. What am I going to do? If you're struggling with what you're going to do, what does God have for you? Is it ministry? Is God calling me to be married or not? God calling me to be a mom or a dad or not? Is God calling me to start this business? Is God calling me to leave this place to start this business? Is God calling me? Pastor, what if I miss it? Am I never going to have my calling? What if I'm called to marry this girl, but I was too scared to ask her out, and now she's dating this person, now she's engaged to him? What if that was supposed to be my wife, and now I'm just doomed to be single or marry the wrong person? And what if I marry the wrong person and she's horrible? What am I going to do? What if it's too late? What if I chose the wrong path? What if I made the wrong choices? What if I'm not able to do what I've been called to do and I don't know what I'm called to do because I have no calling because I missed it? What if what I'm feeling is the devil and not God? What if that desire in my heart is just me? What, how do I know if it's God? Does that sound like you today? We're having coffee. And right now is where I tell you, you're embarrassing us. Stop talking. Calm down. And this is where you say, oh, sorry, Pastor. So I apologize right now. I say, sorry, Pastor. Sorry, Pastor. I gotta calm down. You know what I would tell you right now? Stop worrying about it. Stop worrying about the do. What am I gonna do? What does God want me to do? What's next? What if I miss it? What if I don't do it? Stop worrying about it. 
Pastor cares. God says, focus on the both callings. You're saved, good. After that, let's just work on who you are. Spend more time with you. Read the word, pray. Have coffee with Pastor David. Learn, let him tell you what's wrong with you. Listen. Change your attitude. Change your anger. I want to help you love more, forgive more. I want to work on who you are and stop thinking about the do. It doesn't exist. Why? That will give you the greatest peace of your life. And you know, let me prove it to you. You don't have to worry about the call of God on your life. You only have to concern yourself with the two callings. Salvation, you got it, good. You don't, today's the day. Second calling, sanctification, who you are. Work on that. Stop worrying about the individual calling. Stop worrying about the business. Stop worrying about the marriage. Stop worrying about the kids. Stop worrying about the future. Stop worrying about the position, the career, the et cetera, the et cetera. Stop worrying about the do. Let me prove it to you. You want some peace this morning? Do you want peace this morning? Look at verse 1 and 6. Remember, they had a call in their life, an individual call, to preach the gospel. But notice what Jesus tells them. When Jesus called the twelve together, he gave them power. He gave them authority to drive out demons and cure diseases. Look at verse 2. He sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. But here's where it gets crazy. He told them, take nothing for the journey. What? Nothing. How are we going to eat? Where are we going to sleep? Where are we going to do this? How are we going to pay this? How are we going to afford this? How are we going to make this happen? He said, take nothing for the journey. No staff. A staff was used to protect you, so God said, no. Let them attack you. No bag. No bread. No money, no extra clothing, nothing. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave the town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet, and when you leave their town as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village preaching the gospel. Here, here's where you guys have to learn. They set out and went from village to village doing what? Preaching the gospel. They were doing exactly what Jesus called them to do, even though they had no means of how to do it. He said, just trust me. Stop worrying about the do. Notice what Jesus said, number one. Whatever God has called you to do individually, He's going to give you the power to do. He didn't just send them out. The Bible says he gave them power. He's going to give you power to do it. If God has called you to do that, desire in your heart, he'll give you the power. God not only gave you the power to do He'll give you the provisions to do it. Can we thank God for provisions? Because I'll give you provisions to do it. I said, Lord, this is, this is strong stuff. They don't, 
I'm not going to understand it, but listen, when God, whatever God's called you to do, He's going to provide for it. Stop saying, oh, I got to network. I got to meet the right people. I got to do, listen. Live your life village to village and watch God do it. Provision. If you want proof, look at our church 13 years ago. We had no idea how we were going to do this. We had no sponsoring churches. Most church plants have sponsoring churches. What's a sponsoring church? It's a church that says, we believe in your church. We believe in your vision. We're going to come beside you, and we're going to pay all your bills. And all my pastor friends are getting sponsored by churches. And I said, okay, God, who's going to be our church? And we got one church that said, we believe in your vision. We believe in what you're doing, but we can't pay you. I said, what? We have no money. Fast forward 13 years later, we're still here. There are provisions. And God reminds us, I'm in this. No, last weekend was the last weekend of the month, and it's the rent, and everything's due. And we're like, oh my God, we're short, and this and that. I'm like, oh, what are we going to do? You know what's amazing? God always makes a way. And yesterday, mom calls me and she says, You're not going to believe it. Someone in Orlando just sent us $800 because they watch us online. I have people that don't come to this church that are more faithful than you guys who do come. <clears throat> yeah, right? But God always shows up and says, I'm in this. For anyone to how am I going to do it? How are we going to provide if God is calling you to parenthood, He's going to provide you. If God is calling you to start that business and you are ready, the who is ready, God's going to say, I'm going to fund it. God's going to provide for you. God not only gives you the power to do the calling, He gives you the provision. Not only did He give him the provision, He said, go, when you go to the villages, Go to the homes that welcome you. You know what that means? God says when you go to a certain place, there's going to be certain doors that are going to open to you because God is going to open doors for you and he's going to introduce you to the right people at the right time, at the right place in Jesus' name. You're going to walk into opportunities because God says, I've opened those doors for you. But then God also says, but if someone doesn't welcome you, because listen, when you are called by God, you're still going to have haters. You're still going to have jealous folks. You're still going to have people yapping about you. But you know what he says? Shake it off and move on. Stop thinking about the people that don't believe in your calling. Stop thinking about the people that left you, didn't believe in you. And be with those that are believing in you. He's going to open doors for you that no man can shut. And whoever shuts the door in your face, shake it off. And he says, I'm going to give you authority to cast out demons. Why? Because the Bible is saying, even if the devil tries to stop you, you're going to stop him. You see why you don't have to worry. But what am I going to do? Just work on who God's wanting you to be. Work on your character. 
And instead of praying, you know, Lord, help me to do what you've called me to do. Can we stop praying that? Because according to the scripture, he will help you do what he's called you to do. But instead of praying, and I'll close with this thought, crazy thought. You guys ready? Instead of praying, Lord, help me to do what you've called me to do. That's a contradiction because if God has called you to do it, he's going to help you. Stop praying, Lord, help me to do what I've called you to do. Start saying, Lord, I thank you that you're helping me do my call. Stop praying, Lord, help me to do what I've been called to do. But here's what you have to pray. Lord, help me to become who you want me to become. Stop worrying about the do and focus on the who. Lord, help me to be who you want me to be. Help me to grow in character. Help me to live a holier life. Help me to walk in integrity. Help me to love more. Help me to forgive more. Help me to give more. Help me to serve more. Help me and change my heart and prepare me for what you want me to do because I know you're already calling me. Why is it so important that you stop caring about the do? Not only is it because God's going to do it, He has it. But in focusing so much on the do, we are neglecting of the who God wants you to be. This making sense today? Here's what you have to remember about your calling. Romans 11, 29. Because this is where the devil starts working. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, For God's gifts and his what? His call can never be withdrawn. Oh, but I messed up so bad. My call is gone. I can't do it. No, listen. God has called you to holiness. And Peter messed up pretty bad. But we learned on Wednesday that even Jesus called Peter. And Peter repented and came back. So I'm preaching to someone here today that feels the call of God on their life is gone. The Bible says the call of God can never be a trial. Come on, give him praise for that. You just have to repent and come back to him. And Peter said this amazing scripture. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. How many of you say amen to that? I, I'm not there yet. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not there yet. All right, I'm still sanctification, process, I'm a process. I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, notice what Paul said, one thing I do, forgetting what's behind me, because some of you, if you want to move forward, you have to forget what's behind you. He said, I forget what's behind me, and I strain toward what's ahead. And look at verse 14. I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has won. Cause. I said, man, Paul, you mean to tell me all those times that you were in prison, 
all those times you were arrested, all those times you were beaten, all those times they threw stones at you, all those times you were hungry, all those times you were homeless, all those times that were hard, the one thing that kept you going and moving forward was remembering your calling. That's what gets you through some of the hardest times in life. You're going to get through it because you're called. You're going to get through it because God has called you. So let's all stand to our feet and I want to pray for you today. The first call of God is the call to salvation. Before you start worrying about what you're going to do, realize first and foremost that you have a relationship with God. Because he's called you to salvation. Saying, Pastor, what does that mean? Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and for mine. The Bible says, if any man believes in Jesus Christ died and he rose, he will be saved. Some of you, you're living life on your own, but Jesus wants to call you like he did Peter. He wants to call you first into a relationship. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I know I'm saved. I know I have a call in my life and I keep thinking about what God wants me to do. But before you even think about what God wants you to do, some of you have forgotten who you were. God's working on your character. If you're here today and you're saying, God, I feel a call in my life. You're here today. God has called you. You feel a desire. Maybe it is to be married. Maybe it is to have a business. Maybe it is for ministry. If you feel a call of God on you, I want you to just remember. Stop worrying about it. God's going to do it. God's going to give you the power to He's going to give you the provisions to do. He's going to open the right doors, introduce you to the right people, and keep you from the wrong people. Amen? you got to shake some people off in your life, and he's going to give you the authority that even the devil can't stop what God has called you. And until then, live your life working and growing who you are. You're here today. Every head bow, every eye bow. The first call I want to give to you is a call to salvation. If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I don't know if you're saved, but I know I'm called and do a calling on my life to receive the Lord once and for all. That call of God can never be withdrawn. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, what you're going through right now. The call of salvation is a call to anyone that wants to repent of their sins and turn to Jesus. If that's you, first and foremost, before I continue to pray for everyone else, would you put that hand up after that? I want to give my life to Jesus today. The second call today is for those that say, Pastor, I know that God has a call on my life, an individual 
you put your hand up and say, God's given me a desire. He's given me a dream. He's given me a passion for something. And I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know. But if you have a dream and a calling on your life, you put that hand up. God bless you. God bless you. You, you there, you all around. And I want you to think about that call. How impossible is it right now? How difficult is it? That's why you have to stop worrying about it. And say, Lord, I thank you that you're giving me the power to do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I know your power will do it. Father, I thank you for your provisions that you're going to provide the way for you to do what you've called me to. You're going to open up the right doors. You're going to close the wrong doors. You're going to bring the right people into my path and remove the wrong people from my path. But in Jesus' name, what God has called you to do, He is in control, not me. Well, I want you to do this one thing today. Say, Lord, into your hands, I surrender my call. Come on, say that to the Lord right now. Lord, into your hands, I surrender my call. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for this word. I want to thank you, Lord, for this word that I believe has set us free from the worry of what we're going to do. And Father, as we leave church this morning, what I would pray, Father, is that you would give us the power to do what you called us to do. The provision to do what you called us to do and open up the right doors and bring us to the right people. Oh, Father, do this at the right time. And if it hasn't happened yet, help us to be faithful as you work on who we are. Sanctify us, grow us, change our hearts, our attitudes, our character, and get us ready for what you want us to do. And help us to climb the real ladder of success, doing everything for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Come on, give God some praise today. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat today. I want to thank you guys for just joining us today for this word. And I hope you guys are blessed by this word. How many of you said, Pastor, I was blessed. I needed to hear this. Yes, I'm a little worried about what I'm going to do. I pray that you leave this church service today never again worrying about what you're going to do, but only focusing on who God wants you to be.